WVOW Local News, now. Logan High School's new football coach has potentially been selected. I'm Bob Fields. Pending approval at next week's Logan County Board of Education meeting, Brandon Adkins has been selected to lead the Logan Wildcats on the gridiron this fall. Adkins is a former Logan Middle School football coach and led the Timberwolves to the Mid-Valley Athletic Conference Championship last season. Adkins, if approved, will become the 28th coach in Wildcat history as of March 1st. This is WVOW News. Medical emergencies are never expected. They just happen. And when they do, it's critical to know that the skilled emergency medicine specialists and advanced diagnostic technologies at Logan Regional Medical Center are nearby. With imaging, laboratory, and surgery services close, you have access to all the resources you need for high-quality emergency medical care. Logan Regional Medical Center. Be well. Live well. That's why we're here. For more information, visit LoganRegionalMedicalCenter.com. Hey there, Dave Weekly here, your host for Metro News Hotline. Get ready for an epic journey every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. We've got all the excitement you need from sports to tech, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Join Coop and I as we bring you engaging discussions, captivating interviews, fun games, and the latest sports and entertainment headlines that will keep you hooked. Metro News Hotline is your go-to source for sports, news, entertainment, and most importantly, fun. Tune in weekdays from 3 to 6 on Metro News and WVMetroNews.com. Southern West Virginia Music for the Performing Arts has provided a trumpet to the Logan High School Band. The purchase of the trumpet made possible by a grant from the Piles and Turner Foundation along with donations from three individuals. Austin Campbell, the current Logan High Band director, was ecstatic about the new instrument. We want to thank Mary Nemeth Piles and the Piles and Turner Foundation for providing the LHS Band with a trumpet. The Southern West Virginia Music for the Performing Arts Group started in the wake of the Logan High program falling apart last year. The band's participation was non-existent and without a director. Alumni members of the Logan Band of years gone by turned out in the time of need, performing at many public events, parades, and ball games last school year. Campbell, a board member with the Performing Arts Group, is still in his first year as Logan's band director. Band participation is up, and the new Logan High Rock Band has been performing to great approval from audiences this basketball season. The rest of the band also passed on their gratitude. Thank you! AT&T says its wireless network is back after an hours-long blackout of service across the nation Thursday. Outages began at about 3.30 yesterday morning and peaked at around 73,000 reported incidents. AT&T had more than 58,000 outages around noon. The carrier has more than 240 million subscribers, the country's largest subscriber base. By 3.30 p.m., the reports were down to fewer than 3,000. Cricket Wireless, which is owned by AT&T, had more than 9,000 outages at one point, but the reports had also tailed off later in the afternoon. Users of other carriers, including Verizon and T-Mobile, also reported issues, but those companies said their networks were operating normally and the problems were likely stemming from customers trying to connect to AT&T users. A statement from AT&T says Thursday's outage impacting tens of thousands of customers, quote, was caused by the application and execution of an incorrect process used as we were expanding our network, not a cyber attack. Two sources familiar with the situation told ABC News it was a software update gone wrong. The Recovery Group of Southern West Virginia requests funding from the opioid settlement funds. Logan County Commissioners compromise. The faith-based addiction recovery group runs two homes in Logan alongside a walk-in facility. 
On February 5th, group members and advocates appeared before the commission and requested $500,000 to be given to the group from the $2.5 million opioid settlement Logan received in January this year. The commission had tabled the request pending a more comprehensive meeting with representatives from the group. On Tuesday, Commissioners Danny Godby and Billy Jack Dickerson discussed what they had found through those meetings, saying they'd come to a decision. They were presenting us with a, a fairly substantial number, and, and one thing we found out along the way <coughs> was that the mortgage on the property was approximately $57,000. And we talked about that and kind of felt like if we could uh, come up with that value, that that would free up other monies. Obviously, if they're having to pay that on a regular basis, <coughs> that would have to be clearly some help for their costs. So I would entertain a motion that we fund 57000 to the private group of Southern West Virginia. Second. Motion here. The commission also granted funding to the Housing Authority for the continuation of local development projects. During the February 5th commission meeting, Housing Authority Chairman Roger Rainey presented three projects amounting to nearly $25 million. Those projects include Logan Landing, a senior housing project on Logan's East End, and the veteran-preferent Logan Wood Apartments on Hudgens Street, expected to be finished by mid-May. The Housing Authority is working in man as well to establish the housing complex Tridelphia Landing. Moreover, Rainey announced plans by the Housing Authority to build an assisted living facility in Logan, which is a project still in its infancy. Once completed, Rainey said that families in the surrounding counties would no longer have to take loved ones to Ohio or Virginia for assisted living. Instead, they could bring them to Logan. The request had been tabled pending financial review. At Tuesday's meeting, Commissioner Billy Jack Dickerson expressed the county's need for the Housing Authority. He spoke of the potential for low-income housing projects that could address a major local issue. You would have never made me believe that homelessness would be the issue that it is in Logan County. Every day I'm shocked. Commissioner Danny Godby recalled the projects that are already underway, saying that they were only the foundation. Both attending commissioners agreed that they want to see the Housing Authority continue its work. Eventually, I think they're going to go to some low-rent housing, which, which I heard them talk about. But uh, this right here is, is the cement to really grow, grow even further. That being said, I would like to entertain a motion for the uh, Logan County Housing Authority. Move that we give them $50,000. Second. Commission President Diana Barnett was not present at Tuesday's meeting, and the next Logan County Commission meeting is scheduled for March 4th. A bill to authorize teachers to carry firearms in the classroom is on its way to the state Senate after it passed through the House of Delegates on Wednesday. The House passed Bill 4299 with a vote of 89 to 11 that would permit teachers to carry a concealed handgun, taser, or stun gun at school. The bill would see the creation of a school protection officer. Teachers could volunteer and be permitted to carry a concealed firearm with a concealed carry license and receive additional training from law enforcement. The goal of the bill is to provide additional protection to students in active shooter situations. Reception has been mixed amongst school professionals. The bill now heads to the state Senate. West Virginia Senate Education Committee approves legislation to allow students to play school sports and travel sports at the same time. Under current law, high school students are allowed to play for amateur athletic union teams, but prohibited from playing for both their school team and an AAU team in the same season. Senate Bill 813 would allow students to play for both teams simultaneously. On Metro News Talk Line, Senate Minority Leader Mike Wolfel of Cabell County raised concerns about the impact the allowance would have on participating students. Wolfel says that constant practice and back-to-back -back games would cause burnout both in athletics and in academics, wondering when students would find time to study or do homework. 
Moreover, Wolfel told Metro News that he fears students will struggle with divided loyalties, with this bill possibly eliminating any sense of commitment. There are no academic standards for, for travel ball. So the coach is like, your grades are slipping, uh, I'm going to put you on the bench. Well, I'm playing the AAU, I'm going to, I'll see you later, coach. So he quits. Uh, what discipline do you have? Republican Senator Mike Oliverio of Monongalia County raised another concern with a measure which would allow school coaches to also coach travel teams. On Tuesday, an amendment passed with the bill that struck the coach allowance, but it was reintroduced on Thursday. Oliverio, who both authored and later withdrew the coach amendment, says he believes concerns may be unwarranted. I think it just gives some flexibility. I don't think we necessarily envision a travel schedule completely overlapping <clears throat> with the school sport schedule, uh, but they might they may overlap a little bit on the edges or specific events. The bill goes into its second Senate reading on Saturday. West Virginia senators pass a bill to benefit both forests and revenue in the Mountain State. Senate Bill 688 would allow the Division of Forestry and Division of Natural Resources to contract for the management of several state-owned lands. Senators promoting the bill clarified that the primary goal of the contracts would be for the removal of underbrush, which can serve as a fuel source for wildfires. Moreover, the collected underbrush could be used for energy production in the state's biomass industry. Republican Senator David Stover of Wyoming County offered an amendment to the bill which would have excluded state parks and rail trail areas. Senate Finance Chair Eric Tarr opposed to the exclusion. According to Tarr, those areas need the benefit that would come from this bill. There are things right now that our, our state parks and our WMAs just don't have the resources to be able to go in and do the forest management properly. The Forest Protection Bill passed 31 to 3 and goes to the House of Delegates. And West Virginia Senate passes a bill to add hydrogen as a major state export. Senate Bill 683 aims to remove hydrogen from the list of alternative fuels subject to the motor fuel excise tax. According to Senate Finance Chair Eric Tarr, removing that tax on hydrogen will allow West Virginia to use a currently untapped source of revenue for the state. He said that West Virginia has all the resources in place to become a major hydrogen producer for the country. Moreover, fiscal reports suggest that the introduction of hydrogen as an alternative fuel source won't have any effect on the state road's revenue as there are no commonly available hydrogen-fueled vehicles. The bill passed unanimously and moves over to the House of Delegates. Monday marks 52 years since the Buffalo Creek flood. Here's WVOW's Aaron Stone with more. Community members gather at the Buffalo Creek Memorial Library at Mann this Monday for an annual ceremony to commemorate the worst disaster in Logan County history. At approximately 8 a.m. on February 26, 1972, a close slurry impoundment dam owned by Pittston Coal Company burst, releasing 132 million gallons of water, coal refuse, and silt into the Buffalo Creek community. Raging black water with waves cresting over 30 feet rampaged through 17 communities, destroying anything and everything it could find in its path. Saunders was the first in its path, followed by Pardee, Laredo, Cranco, Lundell, Stowe, Latrobe, Robinette, Amherstdale, Braholm, Ackerville, Crown, Kistler. Cars, trucks, houses, and buildings all swallowed up by the raging waters that ripped through Buffalo Creek. Just four days earlier, the dam had been declared satisfactory by federal mining inspectors. There were three dams in total. Dam number three, built on a coal slurry of sediment constructed in 1968, was directly behind dam number one and number two. Water levels continued to rise as nearly four inches of rainfall fell in three days on Buffalo Creek. One day before the dam burst, water levels had risen to one to two inches per hour behind dam number three. And at 1.30 on the morning of February 26th, the rising water was just 12 inches from cresting. Less than seven hours later, 
the dam burst. Residents ran for the hills, narrowly escaping the floodwaters, while others clung to trees, logs, limbs, and whatever else they could grab hold of to escape the raging waters. Elizabeth Tackett says that the reading of the names of the 125 lives lost will be featured at this year's memorial. Survivors will tell their stories, but this year Tackett says another perspective will be featured. But this year I have been contacted by his second, his retired second lieutenant in the uh, National Guard. His name is Charles Hawk, and he spent 11 days on Buffalo Creek helping with the uh, recovery, and um, he is he wants to come and tell us his story. He wasn't prepared for what he saw. He let me know that. He was not prepared at all for what he saw. Approximately 1,121 were injured and more than 4,000 to 5,000 Buffalo Creek residents left homeless that day. A total of 507 houses, over 40 mobile homes, and nearly 30 businesses destroyed by what Piston called an act of God. Refused to accept responsibility for its negligence. State and federal investigations ruled that the flood was caused by unwarranted construction of coal waste, and the state of West Virginia sued Pittston Coal for $100 million in disaster and relief damages. The Buffalo Creek flood brought new laws regarding dam construction and maintenance. More than 600 survivors sued the coal company, seeking $64 million in damages, but settled for just over $13 million. Entire families died, brothers, sisters, mothers, and fathers, all buried together. Buffalo Creek has since been rebuilt, but the community will never be the same, and it will never be what it once was, and will forever be remembered as one of the worst mining-related disasters in history. I'm Aaron Stone. This is WVOW. Get local news on demand at WVOWradio.com or on your smart device with the WVOW mobile app. Here's the Coalfields forecast from the Storm Tracker 13 Weather Center. I'm Storm Tracker 13 meteorologist Chris Knoll, and we're expecting to see temperatures cool down as we approach the weekend here over the coal fields of West Virginia. Highs for today look to be around 55 degrees, and we will see a chance for some scattered showers this evening and overnight. Morning lows are going to be close to the freezing point, about 32 degrees, which means those scattered rain showers will transition into some snow flurries, and we could see some snow showers for Saturday morning with highs. We'll expect the warmth to around 39 degrees. Listen throughout the day or click on tristateupdate.com for more weather information from the Storm Tracker 13 Weather Center. Hi, Toppy Kirchable from Talkline on Metro News. We invite you to join us weekdays, 10.06 till noon, to keep up on what's happening in West Virginia. And remember, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we broadcast live from the AARP broadcast location in the upper rotunda of the state capitol. It's where you find out what's happening in West Virginia. Talk Line, weekdays at 10.06 on this Metro News radio station.